You are lost in a dark, perilous, and enchanted forest. Dark, dangerous mushrooms push up through the squishy forest floor, snaring you on every side. Something slimy flashes through the mushrooms, moving in on you. The millipede! Not a normal-sized one, but the gigantic monster is attacking you. All you have to fight back with is the magic arrow. Shoot his head to turn him into mushrooms. But then, it is not the only thing attacking you. There are more creepy, crawly, buzzing, swarming creatures in this forest. Keep fighting with your magic arrow. If you are lucky, you may survive. Watch out! Here they come! Welcome to Nostalgia, chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And guys, I hope you're ready for a little arcade fever, because just about since September of 1988 through the rest of this year, we're just going to be playing a ton of arcade games. Well, I honestly thought that we were starting like the reading of an audiobook right there. Is there any more uh, unique prose? Regarding Millipede? Yeah, I just... And, you know, other boxes have had very long things like that, but they never felt worthy of reading. But I think this one really <laughs> set the mood. Yeah, I think that this guy this guy should be doing more than backs of boxes. He should be doing backs of novels. I kind of want, like, a Millipede <laughs> Silent Hills crossover. Is that the, like, natural progression? <laughs> like, backs of boxes and then, like, you move up to backs of novels? Yeah, yeah. It's back of... It, yeah, back of VHS is somewhere in there, too, but... Some people collect VHS boxes just because of that. They like the way those things look. <laughs> anyway, Arcade Fever, Capcom and Konami constantly releasing arcade hits all the time. But relatively quickly, we're getting like a lot of stuff. Like from, from September and October of 1988, Namco has given us both Galaga and Xevious. Nintendo re-released the Donkey Kong Classics. And now HAL Laboratories is joining with, well, they did join us with Joust. And now they're joining us again with Millipede here. So anything to say about, like, older 1980s arcade games coming in this late into the decade? I, I'm sure it was appreciated by the... Just in the same way that, like, I love when an old classic game that I loved from PS1 is now available on my PS4. But I think to us now looking back, that little level of appreciation might be lost, at least to me personally. Yeah, I kind of thought we were past this, um, but... I'm, I don't think it's ever truly going to stop. It's. Uh, I think we're going to keep getting these spurts. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, they're like still releasing Millipede on probably Switch and PS4, right? Like, they're just never going to stop releasing these yeah, games. Probably. You know, and I wanted to talk about HAL Laboratories for a minute because we yeah. did not cover them in the Joust episode, and I think it's kind of important that we talk about them. Like, they are pretty active today with some stuff. I just can't put my finger on what franchise they're attached to. Well, it's good that you recognize them, at least, because they're best known for Kirby and the creation of Kirby. Ah, yes. Uh, Mother, the Mother or Earthbound franchise, and Super Smash Brothers. I think that's what I mm. recognize them from. In the that's original, where I see wasn't that little the, Yeah, there was that little thing on the menu screen, right? Yep. It's pretty much a Nintendo second party at this point, but back then... The only thing how Laboratory had as like a, 
you know, bargaining chip for Nintendo was they had uh, Satoru Iwata as, like, one of their employees, and Nintendo loved that guy. He's such a nice guy. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the company the company actually got its name, HAL Laboratories. They got it because each letter of the H-A-L puts them one letter ahead of I-B-M. I, I think you're mixing that up with where HAL from 9000 got his name. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to sure? say, I because thought maybe it was from 2001. I'm almost positive. Because I was going to point out that it's it's not, uh, you know, another coincidence then is that IBM happened to release around, uh, I want to say like early 2000s, they released IBM Millipede Memory, which was special memory that they had created for their uh, for their processor chips. And I don't think it's unlikely that that would be to retaliate for HalLab releasing Millipede on the NES, and then IBM says, well, we can use the Millipede name, too, and even though you're three letters ahead of us, we're still better than you. Huh. It's funny, okay. though, because there's, like, kind of two ways of looking at it, like, like that A is better than B because, like, you know, like, number one is better than number two, but also, like, you can be like, well, the later letters could be better. You know what I mean? Like, what, what determines <laughs> what that the, what determines that the earlier letter is, like, better than B? Like if you think, phone I honestly book. think phone that book. Mike, I think Mike is just projecting <laughs> all of this. You know, I think Mike has a thing about the uh, has a thing about the alphabet, and he's got a bone to pick with the, with the letters I, B, and. But we M. did no. I actually, I just wanted to make the crazy connection there of IBM be having like Millipede memory and HAL Laboratories making Millipede and HAL Laboratories basically just stealing the name from two thousand one of Space Odyssey's HAL nine thousand. Uh, which which Iwata actually said in an interview, it was just a straight rip from Space Odyssey. So I think that's ah. I think that's all pretty funny. I just wanted to yeah, throw it out it's there. It's a fun little menage a trois. Everything's in jest around here, okay? We don't actually provide any real knowledge to anyone. Uh, if you want some real knowledge, Nintendo... Uh, the only reason why HAL Laboratories is still around today is because Nintendo made them a second party when they saved HAL from bankruptcy... On the condition that HAL employee Satoru Iwata was appointed its president. Wow. That's some, like, indentured <laughs> servitude right there. So so they did it. They said, yeah, he, you could be the president. And he was the president from 1993 <laughs> to 2000. And then later became president of Nintendo uh, until his um, early passing. So I think it's, like, it's pretty crazy how much they... They really didn't care for HAL Laboratories, and they just cared about this one programmer who was really good at making <laughs> video games. And, you know, this is all to say with this Arcade Fever stuff. I mean, next week, we've got Pac-Man from Tengen. So, like, things are things are constantly going to keep happening with arcades. So I think that's enough about that, and let's move on to Millipede. What do you guys say? Sounds good. I'm okay with that. All right, so, Sean, walk me yes. through Millipede in a way that isn't as artsy as the back of the box. All right, uh, so in Millipede, you play as a cursor at the bottom of the screen, and uh, there is a very long centipede slash millipede slash creepy crawly uh, quickly coming down towards you, and there's a bunch of, you know, foliage in the way. I think they're all mushrooms, I can't remember. Um, and every time the millipede hits one, he changes direction. He's got he's to gotta kill him, and every time you kill him, he breaks apart into... into uh, little pieces and you have to kill all of those and there's spiders and there are other bugs and uh it's a little overwhelming and that's pretty much how you play the game yeah this is a lot like uh space invaders on speed right like yeah yeah the, the space invader enemies which might just be called invaders 
Uh, they move across the screen very, very slowly, and you have these barriers to protect you. And you kind of have to shoot all of them, but if they get to the bottom, then you're automatically uh, game over. In Millipede, the Millipede or, you know, the Centipede, they both look the same to me. Uh, they come down the screen rapidly, but if they touch the bottom, that doesn't necessarily mean game over. You can dodge around them and continue yeah. to try to attack them. So I, th- I think this is... Uh, a great step up from Space Invaders in that regard of like, how do we improve uh, on an already existing, uh, you know, successful arcade game? And I think Millipede and Centipede were the answer to that. Yeah, there's like a there's like a little end zone, if you will, that you're allowed to go forward and backward in. So you can't fly forward the whole way, but it was nice to be able to uh, move forward a little bit to get around certain obstacles. Yeah, it's definitely necessary because the whole time that you're trying to hit this millipede, you're being assaulted by these spiders and, like, ladybugs and shit. And I I think that it, it definitely makes it a higher octane experience than Space Invaders. Yeah, and so let's let's talk about just the, you know, the gameplay in terms of everything that the ratio of what's on screen and how much you have to deal with and stuff like that. Cause it seems like there, it could be fun at first, but maybe it becomes overwhelming. Uh, Joe, how did you feel about controlling your, I don't know. I want to call him like a little ship. Sean called him a cursor, which I think feels fine too. Uh, how did you feel about controlling that and being able to tackle everything that was on screen? Well, as far as actually controlling the, yeah, the cursor first of all, I don't know what that is. Is that supposed to be a person or like, are you a, you're in the forest, right? Like it looks like a ship to me, though. But either way, controlling <laughs> you yourself is pretty like dead on. You know, there's no floatiness or any, not even like good floatiness that we have. It's like literally you stop on a dime. It's it's pretty easy to actually control yourself. But as far as the obstacles in front of you, you know, you you start with a lot of these mushrooms that are in the way, that are kind of like little obstacles for you to uh, to sh- kind of shoot past or shoot around or shoot through uh, to hit to hit the millipede. Um, and one thing I think we haven't mentioned yet is that every time you hit a, a segment of the millipede, it, it turns into another mushroom. So like, as you're doing better, you're creating more obstacles for yourself, which I thought was an interesting, uh, way to kind of keep things from getting too easy. And, and you're creating more millipedes too, uh, Joe, when you shoot in the middle of a millipede, you divide it in half. Right. So it's still the same amount of targets, but now it's, now it's harder because they've, they've split up from each other. Mm hmm. Uh, so yeah, they they do a pretty good job of of making sure that like the gameplay just organically continues to get harder without having to like uh, this is the werewolf program. I mean, not that they didn't do this, but they didn't have to do uh, right away. Like, all right, now we're gonna program it to be like more difficult. It'll just naturally get more difficult by the way of the way everything works. I think they do a little bit of both there because yeah, there's the organic difficulty increase by shooting. The millipede splitting it in half, creating more targets. But uh, if you survive for what the game feels is too long, it will just start throwing more stuff at you until you die, and then it sort of clears the screen. But in addition to like the spiders, you'll get like little gnats or flies. I don't know, and they just sort of rain down on you uh, if you're alive for too long. Um, and uh, also there are other bugs along the way that have effects on the game that aren't as direct. Like I think depending on the color of the ladybug sort of looking thing, it'll shift the screen down or shift the screen up. I thought that was a snail. Mm, Like maybe it's the snail. (laughs) I don't remember it being associated with the snail. Got it. Got it. 
But no, that, I mean, like, I think I think it's a trade-off. Like, it's really cool that there's all this different stuff, you know, available to you to shoot at in the game. Like, that they took a, a, a wide variety of insects and didn't just make them all, like, hey, this is the enemies, shoot them, get points. It's like, oh, if you yeah. shoot the spiders, yeah, they're worth more points, which help you get more lives. Or, oh, if you shoot the ladybug snail thing, everything moves down a bit. Or if you shoot those flies that come out in rapid succession, it, it you know, it's like a bonus stage style thing to, to rack up points quickly. Like, I thought that stuff was cool, but it just, it happens all in unison. So it's almost like yeah. a, um, a visual assault. There, I, I couldn't find myself focusing. No, it's you're very right there because I think like when we talk about quiet time in games, we're usually talking about like you know in an action adventure title where there aren't any enemies and you just sort of get to like look around. But I think quiet time exists in arcades as well in a, in a more uh, small package uh, where it's just like you have a moment to breathe, and in this game you never have a moment to breathe unless you died. You have like two seconds. <laughs> Yeah, there's no stage clear, right? There's no moment where uh, it resets everything for you. Am I am I wrong in thinking that? It'll partially reset. Like if you if you destroy every segment of the millipede, then the millipede goes back to the top, and I, maybe some enemies despawn. But no, totally. But I meant like spiders there's no, don't. Yeah, there, but there's no moment of like stage clear up there and you have like a moment to collect yourself and the whole screen like refreshes yeah exactly it's just on death joe you were talking about the um the movement and i wanted to get your feeling on this because obviously the nes didn't have a a trackball first party controller i'm sure somebody made it third party but in the arcade this game was only played with a trackball so this way you could really get free roam Uh. movement on your cursor do you think that uh, that would make a huge difference in how you played, or you thought that playing on an NES controller was, was fine? Well, well, only now that you mention it. I mean, I wasn't aware of that. So on the NES controller, it felt fine because it's all I know, and, and it felt like it was it was perfectly functional to me, uh, especially compared to some other games that we've played in the past. I thought this was... It, it didn't, like, blow me away with some impressive, you know, level of control, but it was just, like, perfectly, like, accurate. But I can see how it would completely change the way that you approach the game with a trackball because you you just have a different level of, you know, freedom, I guess. Yeah. No, I would very much prefer to play this game with a trackball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now that now that it, like I know that that's out there, that does sound like it's it could be it could be easier, but I don't think that that makes this one a bad way of controlling it. It's just it's just not as good. Yeah, and and there also there's a there was a single fire button on the arcade version that could be held down for rapid fire. Now, I don't think you can do that with the NES controller, correct? I think if you hold down A, it doesn't continue to shoot. Well, in addition to that, it only has the memory, or maybe not the memory, but it only allows one bullet to be on screen at a time. So, like we've seen in several other games, that if you miss and it hits the top of the screen, that's all time that you are just defenseless. I don't know if that's the way that it is in the arcade game. Uh, is do you have any information on that, Mike? Right. No, that's true. It, I, I, you know, and I just t- tested it too, and it does seem like uh, it's probably the same. What they're describing as rapid fire is probably the same as it as it appears on the NES version. That you can just hold it down and it'll continue to shoot, but you're only allowed one shoot per uh, I see. per screen at a time. I see. You know, another thing that we didn't talk about that kind of affects the gameplay but really has nothing to do with it is the user interface here uh, uh, during the game because 
there there's a large chunk of screen real estate dedicated to this brick background that just kind of houses in a mortise the uh the gameplay itself and then there's like sections for your score and the top score and how many ships you have and stuff like that did it feel like that was just hogging too much of the screen for something that wasn't really using that much graphical power to begin with absolutely that's the first thing that i noticed i'm glad you mentioned that because it it's you know on the right side you have like a little bit you have your score you've got you know your like what round you're on at the bottom you have like one little sentence that tells you like when your next bonus is and then but then like most of this this frame around your gameplay is just complete empty space so i'm i'm not sure why if there's a reason it had to be like this where you know some reason where it would maybe it just would have looked terrible because they didn't feel like updating like the pixel count to everything, so they wanted to keep it smaller or something. I don't know, but it, it felt weird that we were playing at such a tiny. It's almost like half the size of the regular screen, maybe a little more than that. But yeah, I'd say it's like fifty, sixty percent of of the screen space. I actually didn't really pay any mind to it, um, so it didn't bother me. But now that I'm looking at it with a more critical eye, it is very weird because it's not even like justified correctly <laughs> yeah yeah we usually see things on the nes housed in mortises for uh, i'm thinking like uh what's the, the word the you're saying mortis. a mortis a mortis, mortis. yep yep interesting it, we usually see that for like the goonies you know when you went into like the first person point of view and that was yeah. i guess had something to do with like you know, to convey a lot of information in a smaller screen or something like that, and and that that makes sense there. But here, you're you're not really getting a graphic update. You're actually getting a graphic downgrade from from Millipede on the arcade. Yeah, yeah. And and if if you not just looking at it, if you were to just take at the bottom where it says next bonus, put that on the side under everything else, you'd fill in some of the extra space that you're leaving on on the right side, and then you can just remove the the brick background from the bottom, the left, and the top. And then you'd have just you could just have one bar on the side of the screen if you really need that bar. I mean, granted, that would screw with the the ratio and everything, but at that yeah, when you first mentioned it, like again, because I I didn't quite remember its its uh, uh, like the dimensions. I thought it was to make it the same uh, aspect ratio of a cabinet, which you know usually has like more of a vertical orientation. But no, this is just a square, um, and I'm. I'm almost positive that it is a at a lower resolution than in any other version of this game. So yeah, I don't I don't know what their what their thoughts were. Yep. Well, I I think I also agree with you, Sean. Though that it wasn't distracting either, so you can still play the game just fine. It just feels almost weird, you know. It it doesn't it doesn't harpen or uh, do anything to the actual gameplay experience. It, I don't think it would be any harder if it was bigger either, you know. Yeah. No. It's just. I mean, it's all the information is there. Right. So this isn't quite a shmup by my standards because there's no power-ups and and you don't uh, progress throughout the screen. But there are some cool things that happen uh, that are still like in the realm of design for Millipede and Centipede. And that's those uh, those uh, like gas explosions that you can hit uh, throughout the stage <laughs> to cause like a bunch of things to go away at once. Did you guys use those at all? Like, was that just something that you got lucky and hit? Was there a strategy yeah. to them? I tried to hit them. I was very unlucky. I think once I was able to clear like a whole millipede with one, but it was by accident. I think I, I tried at first until I realized that I was just more hurting myself by like focusing too much on like trying to hit, trying to get like some big uh, explosion to get take out as many enemies, and I was not focusing on things I should be. 
So then by the end, I would just hit them when I organically hit them and it would either help or not. Yeah, I think this is one of the few instances of something that's like, it's great that it's there because it also helps like beginner players by chance, you know, like it's just they're they're littered throughout the screen and there's a chance for you to hit them and that can help you. And it's also like great for pro players who know what they're doing and can time those things to take out an entire millipede swarm. You know, I think very rarely in these NES game designs are we seeing things that are helpful to both. A lot of times in NES games that we've been playing, it's either the game is hard and it's great for hardcore players or it's too easy because of extra things that were added into it. Yeah, I guess it can kind of also be chalked up to a little bit of RNG because I imagine that this game is maybe not like in the classic sense of like procedurally generated, but I I don't see any pattern here in like where the mushrooms are. So it's maybe maybe that just because it's it, not a negative uh, randomness, but a randomness that has the possibility of helping you that it can be helpful to both uh, the casual and the more hardcore. This might feel a little silly to ask, but what else should have been added to a game like this? We kind of briefly complained about how much is going on on the screen, but are there things that we could have added? Like I'm thinking, you know, that stage clear thing would have been great, but also is there another way to do a a different variety of stages here. Obviously, this is more of a pipe dream thing, so don't let the limitations bother you here. But what would you guys have liked to see to keep this game uh, fresh as you continued to play it? I'd say, like, uh, maybe a more handcrafted level design so that um, it's not like a main game, like, don't replace the main game with this, but if there was, like, a challenge mode where it was preset... uh, like a preset design and there was a correct place to shoot to like get the whole level over in like 30 seconds or something like that. I mean that, that could be something fun. Um, but in terms of general game design here, I think there's already so much that adding anything more would be a problem. <laughs> uh, so that, that's my opinion on it. Totally. Uh, Joe, anything to add? I mean, I don't have anything off the top of my head. I do really like that idea of like an alternate mode like that that just has like little interesting challenges that are just unique. Um, but yeah, I feel like I feel like the you know this game is targeting people who just who like this really fast like how how high of a score can I get experience? So I don't know that it needs to like do anything else that's particularly special other than just like continue to get harder and harder and and you know faster pace and keep it exciting you know yeah the easiest thing i could think of was just adding a two-player mode because there's really nothing uh you know limiting the idea of like it, you know you would be able to work in tandem it wouldn't be a competitive two-player i like you know but you would still be gaining points separately i like that idea of just because there's so much going on on the screen uh, a friend helping you out might actually work in favor of the game because it would be less chaotic you know you take the left side i'll take the right side and then when they come down it's like okay you stay up i'll stay down yeah i think that that could be fun definitely cool all right so i mean that's pretty much it from a gameplay perspective but you know we have to talk about the fact that millipede is actually a sequel to centipede which i think is brilliant i think that's a great like where do we go from centipede (laughs) Well, add more legs. <laughs> but there's not much different between the, the two games. Really, the only difference is that the millipede moves faster, and um, I think its head segment is more difficult to hit as a result of its of its moving faster. So it was just considered a more difficult version uh, of the, the classic centipede game. 
Do you think it was a mistake to give Millipede, the which was the faster version on the NES? Should they have released Centipede uh, as like a ways to welcome all all types of gamers? Because video games are <laughs> relatively new to consoles. I you know if it's virtually the same game, should they have included both? Like, wh- what's the thoughts here? I think. I mean, I don't. I don't think that it. Uh, I would say that I think that they should have done Centipede over Millipede. But now that you mention it, I don't see a reason that they shouldn't have just packaged it as both if they weren't going to release centipede separately anyways um yeah i mean if this just a quantifiably more improved version of the game then i don't i don't see the point in including the like the earlier one like if there were if there was actually like a a gameplay difference aside from it moves faster then sure they should have released centipede but it's the same. Yeah, thing. I guess that's true. I, I, I don't remember the last time I played Centipede, so I can't really compare it. But yeah, if if what you guys are saying is like it's, it's this is just better version of that. Like they just like fixed some bugs, no pun intended. Then yeah, then I think that's ha, that's the way to go. All right, and of course there it wouldn't be a nostalgia episode without some obscure sequels and spinoffs. And there's nothing after Millipede, as far as I know, right, Sean and Joe? There's no, there's no like. Thousand meter. You didn't. Well, yeah, you didn't play Millipede. Millipede would be a thousand, right? Because that weird that Mil- Milla means. Yeah, it thousand. would have to be. It would have to be like Billipede, <laughs> yeah. Trillipede, right? Bil-a-pede. I don't know though, because Milla doesn't mean million. It means th- it's like millennium, right? Like right, what's after a, a millennium instead of because centi is centi is a hundred. Yeah, so what's so, after yeah. a millennium? It's actually going. It's actually getting smaller, so it would be like micropede. Oh, okay. What if I we like just took it? That would be a fun exploration, like uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids game. <laughs> what if we just took every letter of millipede and to used one letter earlier in the alphabet? So nillipede? No, no, every letter. Oh, oh, I see. No, for, ev- for <laughs> every, every single letter. letter. Yep. Okay, I don't think that that would be a word. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. But also, like, what's stopping them from just uh, making like you know centipedia? And it being like, <laughs> it being a, like a, it's a learning game. It's a knowledge based game. It's like it's like Donkey Kong Junior math, but with centipede. Wait, that, and you shoot so every time, fractions. yeah. Every time you hit a, so every time you hit a a section of the millipede, it'll give you a random fact from <laughs> Encyclopedia Dramatic, uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. Britannica. Um, this, did you know that the Dead Sea <laughs> has like a pH value of seven point nine or something? But wait, <laughs> Centipedia has to be the Centipede wiki name, right? Like it must be. Why would Centipede have a wiki website? <laughs> everything like, everything a wiki is a wiki. I didn't know if uh, if that was enough to warn it, but uh, you know what? It's true because there are two other Centipede games, no other Millipede games. But Centipede was re-released in 1998 as a very scary 3D Atari game. Uh, which, and by scary, I mean in the standards of 1998, scary. I'm sure so Sean like would do something like this. Centipede, no, it's not. It's not. It's just the same idea as Centipede, except for now it's like an FPS in the way that like Atari would be able to make an FPS in 1998. So pretty damn awful. Uh, but you know now you can free roam through as you try to tackle a 3D centipede through. through I don't a think forest. it's a, an FPS. Uh, what? It's a third-person shooter. It, yeah, you can like jump on stuff. Yeah, it's weird. I don't like it. Yeah, and then there's also uh, a lot later in 2000 and hmm, I don't have it here. 2011, uh, Centipede Infestation was released on the Wii. 
Okay. It's a post-apocalyptic world where most of the Earth has been turned into a desert wasteland inhabited by, you guessed it, centipedes. (laughs) So when I go onto YouTube and type in centipede infestation, I just get... Exterminator website. Maybe there's like we in there. Yeah, add the Uh, we. Yeah, that was a... That was a poor decision on my part. (laughs) But do you think maybe that's why they didn't continue the Centipede brand? It wasn't exactly something consumer friendly? (laughs) You mean it's like a little too, it's too like M for mature? Well, you know, it's like, yeah, like Pac-Man, you look that up, you only get Pac-Man. Centipede, (laughs) it's like, it's not even in the top page probably of Google results. Yeah, I think that's probably why it was the Google results that uh, that they were. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't have good SEO. Yeah, I don't even know what I would categorize centipede infestation as. I'm looking at this game on the. It's like a twin stick. Okay. Yeah, I I agree. I don't really get it because you can't you can't like shoot the centipede in half like you would in any other game. But uh, yeah, that's weird. Whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes. Money. Uh, and whatever it takes for this game to get on the Essential Games list, we're going to find out right now, because we're going to do the Essential Games list. All right, it's time to vote, and so, Joe, that means it's your time to vote for the Essential Games list, Centipede. Well... Millipede. Oh, oh my, my God. God. No. I, I had my notes already for Centipede after you said that. I'm sorry. You must vote on Millipede. Centipede is not eligible. <laughs> I, I feel like whenever I vote on one of these arcade games, you like I'm just saying the same thing I say on a lot of the arcade games, where I think this was good for an arcade game. It was good for its time. Um, I, I don't think that it has enough on, to offer. To offer, particularly for me, I'm not. I'm not really into these like quick arcade games that like you get. You get almost. For me, I get like obsessed with getting better at it because it's so fast paced. And then when I'm done, I kind of feel like like not particularly rewarded whether I did good or not. I'm the same way with like phone games and everything. Um, that's the that's the reason I personally am not like falling in love with this game. And then also, I just think that the NES version of this classic uh, classic game it it gives you the exact game, but it's it's not improved in any way, and it's in this weird mortis i i don't have too much more to say about it. i'm kind of just rambling it's not essential but it's not bad that was like the most roundabout way of giving an essential games vote but there it is i like that explanation <laughs> and you know i i just wonder because you're always saying like i think this was good for an arcade game do you have a lower bar you know i, I guess i kind of do but it comes down to again to like personal preference i i'm just not a I'm not a fan of of that kind of game too much like for example, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of the game Snood. Maybe not. But when I was younger, uh, <laughs> there's, there's... I like how you just got met with silence. Yeah, no one even answered, <laughs> but I'm just going to plow through it to keep it from getting too awkward. When I, from when I was younger, we had this this arcade game called Snood that, like, my whole family was, like, obsessed with, and including me, because it was just really addictive. And I remember at one point re- realizing that I wasn't actually having fun with the game. I was just, like, wanted to, I just needed to up my score, I needed to up my score. And that's what a lot of arcade games kind of, kind of give me, where I just feel like I'm not fully rewarded by the end of it. Yeah, I would say that... You know, for me, arcade games are, it's like a weird thing because it's, it's technically all like grouped into one system of things, but there's, arcade games have grown so much from like the seventies to now. And so I think it's weird when people are like, oh, what are your favorite arcade games? It's like, you kind of have to talk about, you know, in five year spans, which arcade games you're talking about, because there's some games that like, 
in the arcade couldn't come to the Super Nintendo because they were so powerful, you know? And now it's like most arcade games are just gimmicks and you just, you know, they're relying on like Dave and Buster's tactics right, to get right. you and, to keep yeah, playing. And to be clear too, when, I, when I'm saying arcade game, I'm talking about things like like this where it's just there's like one gameplay mechanic that you're that you're kind of honing and this or like something if you want something like a little more recent something like Flappy Bird. But you know obviously like there were Ninja Turtle games that were arcade games that are totally not like this and I and I love those games. So, so it's so it's really I'm I'm considering arcade games that like sort of one trick pony that just like you sort of get better and better at like the one thing as it gets more and more difficult. Totally get you. And, you know, I'm not going to put this on my essential games list, but I am going to list it as a play it. I thought this was pretty fun. And the, the speed, uh, while overwhelming, I mean, it's it's what's the what's to lose? There's no story to play. There's nothing really happening. You're just you're just trying to go for your own personal best anyway. So I had a good time playing this game and I think it's worth playing in the arcade uh, or on this NES version. I found it to be not that much different. So it, it's it's fine. It's just not anything that I would uh, I would rave to put on the essential games list. What about you, Sean? Yeah, well, um, I, Millipede, Centipede, th- these just sort of fall into that uh, that idea for me of just like the canon of early video games. It's just you've everybody has played this game. Uh, I don't think that you need our recommendation to know what this game is. I was glad that during this episode I learned a, a, a nice vocabulary word, which is mortis. Um, but uh, other than that, our our recommendation isn't going to tell you to play this game or not. You know Millipede. You've played Millipede. It's not essential. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. You That should be the new back of the box. Like, it's Millipede. You know Millipede. <laughs> Buy Millipede. <laughs> it's not essential. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they put that in, like, the fine print at the bottom. Uh, <laughs> all right, I think this was a great episode. Uh, I'm glad that we all kind of had, like, a, you know, a, a hodgepodge of thoughts here. We we both seem to, we all seem to like it and not like it at the same time. It's a, it's a beautiful thing when games can make you feel both things at once. Or it's just confusing and you don't know what to think of yourself anymore. The only thing better than that is when games make you just like something. That's true. That's true. But very rarely do I even like, I don't even know if my favorite games of all time, I just constantly said, I like this the whole way through. <laughs> but I'm also not a robot. So maybe that's why. All right. Next week, we have Pac-Man. Um, you know, I don't know if there's anything to say there. This guy is just about as iconic as Mario and Sonic. So uh, we're going to have a, a bit of a doozy to talk about him, but we're going to do our best. Obviously, nobody can cover but Pac-Man would need his own uh podcast i feel like to to really go through everything that that he's done so we're really just going to talk about this nes game and and have fun with it so don't expect too much uh like our legend of zelda or castlevania episodes because those were you know big nes games this is more like challenge me mike (laughs) yeah well i'm just saying like you know this was a big thing on the arcade i hope nobody's expecting a two-hour magnum opus on (laughs) pac-man on the nes it's a little different uh, but we're going to have special guest cheater Billy Mitchell on the show, so uh, that'll be fun. 